And welcome in everybody to the Landry Football Podcast for this Thursday, December 17th. Wow, we are almost there, aren't we? A week away from uh, Christmas Eve and uh, we are got a lot of football to talk. We still have regular season college football to get to. We're going to break down the conference championship games. But to talk a little bit about signing day yesterday, um, what it uncovered, but big picture, what it's about, how they evaluate it, how, uh, and certainly I there, we cover it over at LandryFootball.com, but how to keep things in perspective and a better understanding, you know, certainly put on my recruiting coordinator hat to explain kind of um, how I think sometimes people can get disjointed on exactly what goes on, why it goes on, the evaluation process, what it means, so on and so forth. Uh, we're going to get into a lot of that today. Uh, also, we can certainly answer your question. So if you want to send us a question, you certainly know you can do that via email. You can also join us, um, watch us live on Twitch TV, uh, and send us your comments there during the show. We are um, brought to you by the great folks at Radio Influence. You're listening to this podcast. Undoubtedly, we encourage you to go and sign up. You can find us over at uh, LandryFootball.com. Click on the Landry Football Podcast, and it'll take you to that. You can sign up, um, again, for the Landry Football Podcast as part of the Radio Influence Group. They have so many great podcasts, do such a great job of editing and making it sound good and making uh, that uh, possible for me is not an easy chore, I can tell you that. Uh, But the great folks uh, at uh, Radio Influence. Also, a reminder as we always do about LandryFootball.com. What are we? What's the background? How do we got into this point? Look, we we certainly do these podcasts, and we certainly love doing them, and we certainly can provide what we hope is some interesting content. The LandryFootball.com website is to give you the in-depth, the more than we're able to get to you into these podcast platforms. Uh, It is essentially the best way to describe it is to have your own coaching and scouting department for less than a magazine subscription. Uh, It's having your own uh, access to see the game and understand the game from that perspective. So, for example, during the season, which we still are college and pro, we're breaking down the games before they're played. We're breaking them down after. We are breaking down rosters. We're breaking down schematics. We're breaking down personnel. Um, As we've been busy with a lot this week and particularly yesterday is one of our main topics today, our main topic today, recruiting. Who are the top 300 players in the country? Um, Scouting notes on them. Um, Obviously, you know where they go, where they've gone. Uh, You, we, we kind of forecast it for you where we thought they were going to go. You now know where many of them have landed, not all of them. It's a 72 hour window and they will uh, be an, obviously a signing day. The main uh, or the the main signing day is early signing day. Now the second signing day is going to be in February. So we've you've got who they are, and uh, we've got the recruiting who who looked like they had the best day and the best early signing day. We've got that up for you. We've got all the latest information and the scouting notes on them. I think it's important to understand what the teams are getting. Well, as we get into it, we're going to talk a little bit about kind of making sure that you temper your enthusiasm or your frustration 
Uh, but we, we've got that. We're certainly going to have the same thing with, w- as we always do with the NFL draft and evaluating draft prospects, NFL free agency, uh, uh, certainly the coaching searches. We've got all that information. You want to know what's going on and what is likely to happen at the Auburn search? We've got that for you. You want to know what's going on at Illinois or Arizona or any other coaching search? We've got that for you. How did Vanderbilt come to be and South Carolina come to be with their decisions. We've got all of that for you, all the latest news and notes. As we have decisions about assistant coaches around the country, moves that may be made, we've got on top of that for you. We'll stay on top of that for you as well as the uh, the NFL side. So we've got it all for you, the games, the teams, the coaches, the schemes, uh, recruiting, the draft, free agency, the games, all of that. Uh, We've got it covered for you at LandryFootball.com. Take advantage of the holiday discount today uh, where you can get an even greater discount. So it's less than $10 a month if you join for a month. If you join us for a year, you get an even better um, discount for a full year. So even better than that. So, And we're going to get to your questions Um as the show goes along. So send them to me um, and we will get them to you. Um, We're going to get into the conference championship games and we're going to touch time permitting a little bit with uh, the NFL weekend and kind of where we're headed towards the stretch run Um, with the college season being elongated. We're a little bit closer to the finish line with the NFL and we are, we pretty much, you know, kind of where things are headed there. We're going to get into that time permitting. But um, I want to start before I get into the conference championship games with signing day. What happened? Uh, why did it happen? What does it mean? Um, want to kind of take a look at that and say, first of all, that when you look at the winners, the losers, and look, I am working on a piece that will be up on LandryFootball.com um, within the hour after this podcast is done. You you look at who kind of culminated yesterday with maybe the best effort, and, and here's how I do it. So just so you know, um, and I think it's important to understand that, that the people that, uh, and they're w- websites that focus mainly on recruiting, and they do a great job of entertaining and I think informing where the players might go and what have you. What they don't do is – they assign things such as stars and then they slot them and they say, well, this team had a better class than this and that. And it's all based upon information gathering. It's not um, a credentialed evaluation of who's better, this guy or that guy. Uh, So if you got 37 guys with quote unquote five-star grades and nobody in college grades them as five stars and four stars. That's just the moniker we use to, you know, it's like people say, how many first rounders? Well, that's not how we grade players in the NFL, but that's how we talk about them to the fans because that's how the fans in the media associate it with them. So I'm okay with certainly playing along with that, but it's not the right way to evaluate. But then you hear things that are so incorrect in terms of evaluation. And so basically – the bottom line when it comes to recruiting or the draft, most of the sites go into the process of they gather information. So who tells them who's the best, 
that's who they rank as the best. You know, I um, a player that is recruited by a Clemson, an Ohio State, and an Alabama is going to get a higher grade than someone that's graded by, you know, um, Wake Forest, Vanderbilt, Northwestern. Just going to be. Um, and, and, and that's, there's a lot of truth to that. You find out who's recruiting him, um, how much people talk about him. Th- those are good indicators of how good they are. It doesn't give you the evaluation of the player though. So how do I do it? Um, what I try to bring is a perspective of a, having been a recruiting coordinator, all I do is look at, I start with the list that the coaches provide me of, okay, they want an assessment of how I evaluate players. I don't have the time to look at five or 8,000 high school prospects. I can look at five to 700, depending upon the circumstances and, and uh, you know, how much on each. And from that, I really focus a lot on, okay, of these groups that you've given me, which ones are truly the best? And I've got that up for you. I've got the top 300 as I saw them uh, before signing day, uh, regardless of who's recruiting them or what the case may be. And um, it's overall, and it's the top, well, the top 150 and then another pulse, um, 151 to 300. And then, you know, I look at, okay, how many of them have signed with certain schools and that are strong indicators. Here's what is not talked about enough. First of all, evaluating players, and I focus on evaluating them as football players. Unlike the draft process where I can become involved through the combine, through the senior bowl, into getting to know the players more because I've known them for a longer period, these high school kids I don't know personally. I don't know their personal character. Well, sometimes I do, but not a whole lot. So I can only assess the football ability in on tape. Um, it is so important to understand what is the personal character and the football character of the player. Which personal character? I think people understand what that is. Are they a good person? Are they trustworthy? Are they going to do what they're supposed to do? Um, are they going to be a problem in the locker room, or are they going to be a good person and a good teammate? Football character. Do they like football? What's their interest level in football? Meaning, do they work? A lot of guys play football, but they don't like to work at it. They don't have the passion to, to be better the best that they can be. They just, Hey, they're good at it. I'm going to play at it. I can get a scholarship, but it's not a passion of mine. I don't care to do all the little things that it's going to take to be great. You know, you like to play it, but it's easy to like to play football. It is not easy to like to practice and prepare to play football. Football is a preparation sport. It is a practice sport. It is a sport that requires a lot more time of practice, off-season conditioning, all sorts of work that leads to a small amount of playing time. 
Unlike baseball, that's a playing sport. Unlike basketball, that's a playing sport. Shoot around, not that involved in the strategy, but more into let's play and even practice simulates more games. There's very little practice even comparatively speaking. You play, you know, you practice 20 hours a week or you work 20 hours a week on football. That includes the game. Uh, it's you in order to be great in order for a talented guy to ascend, to be a great player, that's going to require a lot on his part. So you've got to assess that. And a lot of these guys that don't pan out, don't pan out for that reason. They don't have that passion. They don't have that burning desire to be great. Then some for no reason that we can ever ascertain is look some of them have bad luck injury wise they have bad health maybe not coming into it but they have bad misfortune and they never develop there others find themselves in disadvantageous situations where maybe they're not as developed maybe they don't get quite the opportunity um maybe they have all those other things that i just mentioned in 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 arrears positively but maybe they're not in as good a situation um now we throw into, you know, so what does that really mean? Well, if you've got 25 signings, for example, and it's a great class, what's the retention rate? How many of those guys flunk out? I mean, if six guys flunk out and six guys have off the field issues, that's half your class. So that quote unquote top five class is not even a top 50 class in a year or two. If you don't, identify those other things other than just what the film shows. Okay. You've got to identify those things. And when you bring them to campus, you've got to facilitate. So what does that mean? It means you've got to identify a guy that wants to be a good student. that wants to be a good person. You got to identify those guys that have got to be, that want to be a good football player. We've gone over that. So now once you have them on campus, I think it's important in recruiting. Everybody, it's a sell job, and you come here, we're going to have fun and all that. That's great to get them on campus, but when they get on campus and the attitude changes, all that does lead lead to is a lot of transfer. Well, that's he's not the same guy. It It's not as fun as he said it would be. It's a lot of hard work. And so – when you recruit players, it's important to identify those ones that are focused and you say, this is what's fun. This is how we're going to make it fun, but it's going to be work. And this is what your, our expectations are for you. And this is what you can expect from us. And it has to mesh because when you bring them on campus, you've got to facilitate what you've recruited. You've got to coach them. Well, you've got to develop their skills. Well, you have to have the best of the best of academic support. Where everybody has it, no, not everybody has the academic support that is equal to the next guy. Any more than the coaching development from one school to the next is as good. Um, what they do in the training room, the rehab, what they do in conditioning, how they do it, what they do in nutrition, all those things – need to be top notch. It's like having a really good vehicle, 
You got to make sure that you bring it in for tune-ups and checkups and all changes. This is, don't mean to make it sound like a property, but you're going to bring in a prime student athlete. You need to nurture and develop their mind so that they're not just trying to be eligible, but they can study things that they're capable of learning and develop and grow so they have a passion and they're engaged in the academic process. But then they understand that you are going to be, if you want to, you have a chance to be a pro football player. If you do not just play well on Saturday, but you take care of yourself from a nutrition standpoint, you get the proper amount of rest. Hey, you can have fun with your friends, but you've got to do things a certain way. You've got to do certain things in the training room. You got to do certain things in the weight room. All of those things have to be top notch. And if you have loose ends and you're not as good, you might be good, but there's this misperception that everybody does it the same. They do not. Why would they do that the same? You don't watch them on Saturday and see the same. You don't, you don't see every team look the same. Every team play the same. Why do you think they do all those things behind the scenes the same? They don't. I see it. I know it. I work in it every day. That's important. Why am I bringing that up? Because the recruiting process is important in the evaluation. But now, once you bring them in, now it's about developing them because in addition to potentially flucking out or not, potentially having medical problems or not, potentially having character problems or not, you also have, well, I thought I was going to start. I'm not starting. I'm transferring. And they can transfer, you know, lickety split now. And that's not something that we've had before. All things you need to understand. Why am I bringing that up today? Because it is apropos of who's really done a good job and how this is going to play out. Um, it's about how many of these players are on your team two, three years from now. How many of them are sustainable? Look, injuries, some you can't handle. Uh, you just There's nothing you can do. But if you have the best nutrition, the best development, the best rehab, you could pretty much overcome just about any injury and get back on the football field and, and, and continue to develop your career or whatever that was. But if you misevaluate a player, now the transfer goes both ways, right? Um, let's say you miss on five guys for whatever reason, health-wise, academic-wise, character-wise, football-wise, poor evaluation, poor fit. He leaves. You can use that scholarship, the scholarship, another bite at the apple to bring somebody else in. So roster manages, management is very, very important. But pursuant to evaluating this class, you cannot do it. Just like you cannot do it for an NFL draft class until a few years down the road. And some things, again, are attached to things that are out of your control. And health is the main one. Everyone wants to do it. It's snap judgment. Uh, we get this a lot in the NFL, and, and certainly I've gotten this. I tell stories all the time. When I was a recruiting coordinator at LSU, and this was pre-internet, cell phones, social media, all of that stuff. Um, I remember we had 10 teams in the league then because you didn't have Arkansas and South Carolina in the league then, and certainly not A&M in Missouri. 
And I remember um, one year, because there were people still ranking them, ranked our class that I had 10th in the SEC. That class won three SEC titles. That was that main class was the hub of that. It was probably one or two in terms of how good that class was, but it was ranked 10. Now, today there's more information that's being gathered. Back then, we didn't share much information. Now, coaches share a lot of information with these guys, so the, the guys that put these lists, so you have a little bit more of a feel. But still, how many of these players are going to still be there? It's important when you evaluate players to understand that is the most important part of recruiting. Everyone thinks, well, it doesn't matter if you're at this school or that school, anybody's going to recruit well. Anybody can sell the program well. But because you can get players that are on, quote, unquote, a list, have you done a good enough job of vetting the players you are recruiting? You know, that's the difference. Why is Alabama the best recruiting the best football program in the country. They do the best job of recruiting. They have a large staff, but they identify the roles for the people on that staff. They evaluate the players in all those areas that I talked about, and they weed out potential problems. And then if any problems, if they do miss, they have a plan to siphon them out and use those scholarships elsewhere. But look, if you every year, if you miss on five guys, you can bring other guys and transfers. It's, it doesn't it doesn't work as smooth from a consistency standpoint at the highest level as you need it to do. So they mitigate a lot of those mistakes by the process, but it's how well they do the process. Well, why don't people copy the process? Because the people they have running the process are not as good and are not as led quite as well. That's why duplicating a Belichick or a Saban process doesn't work as well from one guy to the other. Some guys handle it better than others. Um, but doing that is important. But then the process of best nutrition program, best strength and conditioning program, best tra uh, training rehab program, uh, best academic program, best student life, best in football development, staff, support staff that can help each of these players grow as football players and as students, they do the best job of evaluating players and then selling them on that. And I'm going to tell you, Nick Saban, look, he will get down on his – I mean, he do, he's went so far as he had – he took a large area in his house and had – on the lake, and he had a, a, a big room made, and it's called the recruiting room. And it's where they bring kids – to his home. Yeah, he can go anywhere and do this, but bring him to his home. And there's like a jukebox and Nick likes the dance and he likes his music. And he likes to get this, the self-deprecating humor of getting players, you know, players that listen to, and I'm not a music guy, but listen to the Eagles and all that. And then, then, you know, Hey, this is really good. And the players love that. It, it's, it creates a personality with him and a connection with the family and all that. He will let his hair down but not before he is clear with his, the parent and the student and says, 
not, oh, let me tell you, come here, we're going to do this, this, that, and that. Promise you the pot of gold. I'm going to promise you a chance to compete. I'm going to promise you you're going to be given every chance to get your academic, meet your academic goals. They will know exactly what he wants to study. They will have people that will sit there and show them this is what you need to do to be successful to be an engineer or an accountant or a nurse or whatever. And I'm going to hold you accountable for that. And as a football player, it's not going to be easy. You're going to work hard. You're going to compete. But you have the ability, A, the best chance to be developed as a pro football player, best chance to be developed as a student athlete. And, oh, by the way, history says that if you come here and stay three to four years, you're going to win a national title. It's just how many. It's a chicken egg thing. They can sell that because they've built that. A lot of what happens, particularly when you're trying to work your way up, you're trying to sell a vision and a promise that hasn't happened yet. And very often, you're our guy. You're the difference maker. You come here, you're going to be, and then they go there and they're not as good, or maybe they don't compete as hard because they kind of, hey, I, I, I was told I was the best. Why am I not the starting receiver or corner or what have you? Because well, you're not the best. You haven't earned it yet. And so now they get disillusioned and they want to transfer. And so you get into a lot of issues. So where am I going with this is let's just calm down on the definitive nature of how it's going to translate down the road. I give an example. Uh, you know, one of the best salesmen in recruiting was Mac Brown at Texas, but his demise at Texas was directly correlated to they recruited off a list. They recruited names. They didn't work as hard as the staff getting to know these players, to know which ones were entitled fat cats, as we call them, that they didn't want to work. They got on campus. They were entitled. They wanted given to them, and it wasn't the hardest work in coaching staff, so the development one is good. So, quote, unquote, they couldn't coach anymore. Well, they had some ability to coach. They didn't work as hard at it. They weren't very good. Program slipped. Um, there are different levels of it. Um, Kevin Sumlin got let go by Arizona this past week. Kevin Sumlin has been a great recruiter, and he did a great job developing at Houston. I don't know the motivation of getting the money, the buyout from AM. He went to Arizona for money on top of that, no offset. A guy that has been a proven recruiter didn't. I mean, he didn't do anything on the recruiting trails at Arizona. Not that he's not capable. He didn't focus on it. He didn't put the energy in it. And it's a shame. They have the worst talent in the Pac-12. Okay, so you got different levels, different level of program. Arizona's not at Texas and so on and so forth. There's, there's, there are different ways. So the point is, is let's keep an, keep all of that in mind to that recruiting player development. And then you've got to look at college free agency. Okay. You can go now. These players, can you bring them in? Yeah. I think it's good with college free agents to bring them in the field, the gaps. I think college free agents are similar to junior college with maybe the exception that you might be able to get a college free agent to transfer earlier in his career. Um, or maybe he's a little bit more of a finished product and a better player than, than the junior college kid. Maybe he's doesn't have some of the academic concerns or questions, 
but it's still about you can't build your program through free agency or junior college recruiting, but you can fill gaps. You can augment it. So when you miss and you want to fill in the gap, hey, look, we really need some depth at this position for next year's team, you can do that. Building a program there will not be sustainable. It's a hit or miss. And again, I bring this up because once again, Alabama clearly has done the best job of identifying, recruiting, and even yesterday flipping a couple of guys from LSU again. It was looks to be in terms of talent level of the players that I've looked at. They've got more of those best players, the top 300 that I saw in quite some time. So it was just uh, an outstanding day for them. Some other notes, um, look, I, mean, I thought USC did a good job. I thought Clemson did a good job. Uh, but in terms of the day, so Alabama had the best class, I think, but Alabama may have had the best day, meaning kind of flipping the key guys to make the best class, which if they had done none of that yesterday, it would have still been the best class. But just talking about the day yesterday, they were they had the best day of flipping some key guys. I thought USC rebounded pretty well. I think getting Dart as the as quarterback was insignificant for them and essential for them. They did a really good job. Staying, going back to the SEC, I thought Ole Miss was outstanding. They were able to flip four key guys. Um, and I think they benefited a little bit of the problems going on at Auburn. Um, again, what does that mean? Does it mean that Ole Miss is getting ready to build a power? No, not necessarily. Let's see. Let's see how well they develop those players, the continuity of the staff, all of those things that can make the step up. I've said for a while, Lane is a very good recruiter. He understands how to work that game. And Mississippi State, across the state, Mike Leach, not very good. And what Ole Miss was able to do, it was quite often at the expense of Mike Leach in Mississippi State, which is why I've, I felt for some time that was going to be a problem there. LSU had a good class in the West. Um, uh, but again, I don't think it was a great day. Um, losing a couple of key guys that they did would have made that class that much better. Uh, in the SEC, uh, I mean, I think Alabama clearly the best. I think Georgia had a really good class. Not a great day in their own right, So, um, but, but still a better class, second-best class. I thought some other schools that maybe are off the beaten path, the ones that you normally hear about, I thought TCU did a really good job. I thought UCLA did a pretty good job as well. Thought Oklahoma did a pretty good job. Um, I thought Miami did a decent job. Um, some teams that struggled, as you might expect, Auburn struggled. The day, not so much when you consider the fact they made the coaching change. But it could have been worse, actually. Um, but they held on to more uh, uh, more players than they probably should have. Look, this class is not going to be really good because of it. I was disappointed and I think Michigan lost a little ground in some areas. Got a couple of good got some good players. Good class. Just really lost a lot of ground. I thought Minnesota really struggled. Really concerned about some decommitments late for Georgia Tech. I said all along when everybody was bragging on Tennessee. Boy, they great class. No, no, no. They had commitments. The class and the early signing is here and Tennessee lost a few of those guys. And quite frankly, might have lost a couple of more. And um, if it wasn't for 
Auburn, who I think was ready to flip two more of Tennessee's players. Tennessee was able to hold on to him for now because of Auburn's problem. So Auburn really didn't do a very good job. I mentioned Mississippi State. Uh, I mean, Tennessee didn't do a very good job. Auburn do their situation. Mississippi State struggled. So those are some thoughts initially. Um, check out for a more complete detail about what happened on signing day uh, over at LandryFootball.com, where I'm going to get into a lot more minutiae in details. And we're going to, um, as I get the breakdowns of the weekend's games out of the way, we're going to get into breaking down the class. Um, likely like to do it. I'll get the early look and then the detailed breakdown of the entire class is going to come after February signing day, where we truly know what's happened and what's what. So we're going to get into our conference championship games uh, here in just a bit, maybe get into some NFL. But I want to take some questions that you might have. Um, uh, Rich, what would you say is the most important thing when working 18 to 20 hour workdays when uh, and have you ever passed out before working these hours in Cleveland and Tennessee? Um, no, I was not. I never passed out. What's the most important thing working? Well, to focus on what your job is. So it, it depends on what the job was. My was always is the focus on the film grading um, and the providing of the notes. And I would let somebody that could type it up better and quicker to do that but I would do it uh, much like I got here with the mic where I would, would provide that information. The most important thing is to look at film. And I learned from Belichick to, you know what, you can go get a workout in, but I would still have, I would, for example, do the, uh, the, what do you call the, the Stairmaster thing? And I do the exercise bike thing while looking at film. Um, and so I could still do that. Now I wasn't as good at, as the workout went on providing the content, but I would still look at film, even if I, meaning I was out of breath and wasn't as audible as, as, as well as it should be on the notes I needed to provide. But to me, it's focusing on whatever your job for me, it was film grading. Um, for others, if, if, if you're working on the cap, it's, it's that it's, here's the thing in organizations, the ones that are successful, the best, and I just alluded to it a little bit is the ones that clearly define your role. If your role, we had an intern, um, their job was to take the scouting reports and put them in order. The way I had it done was look, we had these big, massive binders for each position and the players were in alphabetical order. So as the reports were done and printed up, they were in the computer, but we had the reports. They had to be in a certain order, I mean alphabetically, but there were several reports on each player. So quarterbacks, you got the guy with the A name. So the first name, guy named Akers, you know, and, and the first report, there was a certain order I wanted them in. They had to be in that order. And then <clears throat> there's a summary book that we had where you could, could get, the synopsis of all of them. Well, the person that was responsible for putting those books together for me, they knew. So that they needed to be focused on that. Stay on top of that all the time. Then the cards were put up on the board. That had to be up there. If that was your job, then that's what your job. If your job was to log in tape or whatever. Um, for me, it was film. But um, 
No, I never passed out. Um, exhausted days, a lot of sleeping um, on the couch, um, sleeping bag on the floor, whatever. Um, uh, but it can be stressful. I um, I did have a coach, Ken Venturi, that uh, that did uh, well. I guess it was pass out. He had uh, he had heart palpitations, but by seven thirty in the morning, he had had twenty two cups of coffee. Um, it had got so stressful. I think working for Belichick, the long hours, look, it's about, it's about keeping yourself in the mental and physical shape too, to be able to deal with it. I was younger then I work long hours now, but I do a different role in that for me today, what I try to do is focus on the energies that is going to provide what I provide. And that is film room analysis, which is leads to different things. So when I was working for the Browns or the Titans or the Oilers and Titans, it was about evaluating players, college and pro. Or, you know, when I was coaching, it was on the upcoming opponents. Where now it's a little bit more broad-based. So it's it's about film work that I need to do for college programs and recruiting. It's about film work that I need to do for NFL teams on college players for the draft. It's about film work that I need to do for college teams against evaluating other teams for advanced scouting work. It's about film work, evaluating other teams in the NFL for NFL teams that I work with. It's about um, the whole process of film work leads me to understanding who's doing the best with schemes, who are the best teams, who are the best position coaches, who are the best coordinators. And all of the film work leads to me to do my work. So if it's coaching search work, which is very involved with now it's using that film work to guide me to who's really doing the best. Um, I try to spend as least amount of time in the communication process, working through a lot of email as opposed to time on the phone, because it takes me away from that. But there is some communication that needs to take place to communicate that information, which is why I try to do it in reports so that it eliminates the amount of time. Most of the answers are there so that the conversations can be shorter. So the the 18-hour workday is 18 hours of, well, yeah, I've been working at 18 hours, but then there's been a lot of communication and back and forth and co- don't want any of that. I want it to be much more productive. We appreciate Jig's dad and uh, Woodshed King for their, their cheers today. Uh, remember to sign up. Um, Remember to uh, sign up for what we're doing here uh, over at LandryFootball.com and Twitch, and certainly uh, feel free to uh, cheer us on some. Um, Chris, talk to Jig's dad says, if you're looking at top three, well, remember, I'm looking at more than the top 300. I'm looking at about six to 700 to determine who I think is the top 300. So I do see a number of those guys that, uh, that Syracuse will sign. Chris, that has to be a heck of a lot easier to do at Alabama than at Duke, Mississippi State, or Cuse. Um, I guess you're referring to the what I was talking about in terms of the staff and doing that. Um, yes, it is a lot easier, but it's not any easier to do at Alabama than it is to do at LSU or Texas or anywhere else. There's a reason why – Alabama is better than everybody else, including the ones that are. There's no question that there's an upper tier of which Alabama's in it. But Alabama hasn't always done it as good. 
Alabama, it's not Alabama as much as it's Alabama with Saban. Alabama before Saban was not good for a long time. They had one year and one championship with Gene Stallings. Uh, and I can tell you, the strength and conditioning program, even though the coach Stallings is not very good. Now, things have changed in society. Everybody's strength and conditioning and nutrition is better. But, yeah, easier than Duke, Mississippi State, or Cuse. Everything's relative. Alabama does it better than the upper echelon kings of the sport. Um, programs, you know, on Iowa does a better job at that level of developing players, uh, even though they don't get the top tier players, but their development, they're good relative to the programs that are equal to them. So yes, they're absolutely our tiers, but the best of the top tier is Alabama. Um, even if Alabama didn't do it well, they would be better than Duke and Mississippi state or Syracuse. There's no question about that. But, you know, the issue is for Syracuse, why, why can't Syracuse do what they do at Pitt or maybe as consistently as good as BC or as good as Wake Forest or as good as, you know, some other programs that they're capable of being. So I think that's the real key there. Um, is there a formula for recruiting at a national championship level? Seems like the commonality with all the national championship programs that have an NFL pipeline and great facilities. Is that what it takes? No, you're big balls. And by the way, new name, big balls, 17. Love the name. Love the question. Great question. Welcome. And please don't be a stranger. That's a great question. Yes. Um, a national championship is you've got to recruit and you've got to develop. Look, um, you can recruit well not develop well, you can, you know, have limitations in recruiting and develop well, but fall short. The key is to recruit well. They have an NFL pipeline and great facilities. But Ohio State has that. And it's been a few years since they've won one. Alabama's won six. Again, I'm not, not a podcast about Alabama. They are the premier program and maybe is as good of a of a good of a run we've seen anybody ever have. So they keep coming up because they're the standard. They're the gold standard. You have to have an NFL pipeline, but you've got to have a, the facilities to do it. You got to have the staff to do it and a good quality staff. And just cause you pay a lot of money to a staff, how many coaches are getting walked away with a lot of money? They weren't the right coaches. They weren't good coaches. Assistants getting hired and fired. Just because you throw money at the problem doesn't mean you fix it. You've got to throw money at the right answers. And when you have all of that, you've got to do all of that together. Again, if Alabama, if it was just about Alabama, then why isn't that only Bear Bryant and Nick Saban have won consistently there in the modern era? It's only been two. Now, Bear was there a long time and Nick's been there a long time, but that's the whole point. No one else has been able to do it consistently. And the likelihood is that whoever comes in after Saban, it won't be the same. The, the advantages, all the facilities and everything will be the same, but the ability to evaluate as well, to recruit as well, to develop as well, won't be to the same level and the results won't be quite the same. But yeah, NFL pipeline is about evaluating well and developing well. And then they go to the NFL. There are a lot of guys. Look, I got news for you. 
you look at how many players have been drafted out of the Michigan program the past three years, four years, it's been a lot. It's been a lot. The results on the field have been a disaster. Certain areas didn't have draft guys, the guys drafted. And while they've been a lot of guys drafted, not a ton of them that are drafted, say, in the top 10, top 15, top 20. A lot of guys drafted. I mean, a draft class that would suggest that they would be really good. Really good. Maybe not Ohio State good, but really good. John Cooper at Ohio State recruited, talk about NFL pipeline, guys drafted top 10, number one, I mean, just all over the place. Big time pipeline, quote unquote. Lost to Michigan repeatedly. Not very good. Underachieved. So it's more than just that. It's you, you. A lot of people have the facilities. There are a lot of people that have the facilities that match Alabama. A lot of people are growing their staffs. But when you put it all together and you utilize all those advantages, that's the key. Uh, as a coach myself, I've tried uh, to master watching tape while working out. How do you do that? I haven't mastered it. And to be honest with you, uh, what I do is just – I have something that's a little bit easier to digest tape wise because I save the more complicated stuff for when I'm not working out and look, I'm not working out that much, but I will try to do that. Um, I tell you what I will also do a little bit of is if I do have to return a call or something, I will often do that while I'm working out so that I can accomplish two things at one time. And, and, and cause you know, I will often look at film while I'm co- conversating, but if it's something I got to concentrate on the phone call, it's hard to concentrate as equally on the film. So I try to, I try to do some things other than watching tape. If I have something else that I can do while working out, then I try to do that to save the workout time. And just as simple as that. Um, when a coach transitions from college level to the NFL for the first time in his career, what are the hardest things to adjust? I'd love to hear perspective based on your experience. Um, well, the biggest difference is when you go to the NFL, the NFL is more about strategy. College is more about the program. We just alluded to. It. Yeah, you got advantages if you're at Alabama, Oklahoma, Texas. You've got advantages relative to lesser programs. You're only competing against if you're at Alabama, you're at Oklahoma, you're at the elite programs, Clemson, you're only competing against 10 other people. And that's probably not that many. But there's only about, look, most years, you don't have 10 people that can win a national championship. I just throw out a round, inflated number. You got to be the best of 10. And in the NFL, you don't have the look, you can have advantages. Some facilities are better than others. Some owners allow you to spend more money. I work with Art Modell and we can spend anything we wanted. I worked for Bud Adams and we worked on less than the shoestring budget. We had high schools in Texas with better facilities. We had better, but we had times where we wanted to bring free agent uh, uh, guys in for visits. We wanted to go and spend extra time scouting on. And we couldn't do it because he didn't want to spend the money. Unless we could, he wouldn't play for a plane ticket. Bud Adams had a trade out with Southwest Airlines, meaning 
Southwest Airlines had signage in the stadium. He had signage in the uh, the game programs, and we got a certain amount of free tickets. If we had to fly somewhere on an evaluation process, if we couldn't get there by Southwest Airlines, we weren't going because he wasn't going to pay for a ticket on United or American. He wouldn't pay for a $400 ticket. Wouldn't do it. So I, there, there, there's, there's a disadvantage there. But still, when it came to paying players, salary cap, it was about, look, you drafted number one or number 10 or number 32. You're drafting players. You can't accumulate all the best players. You have to draft them. So there is much more strategic involvement in the NFL. You have to be a more creative coach, and you have to game plan differently and more eclectically in the NFL than in college. In college, a lot of what you can do is I'm better than you. I build the program to be better than you, and I can do any wonder of a number of things and still beat you because I'm better than you. And the only variable is how bad do I beat you and how consistently do I do it? Um, in the NFL, it's much more up and down to stay on top. It's about the people will say, Oh yeah, but you can get a great quarterback like Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or Drew Brees and stay on the top for a long time because of it. Yes, you can. But boy, if you don't get one of those guys, you're really in trouble and you really don't have much of a chance to win. And it's really about, Hey, coaching, you just, you can't out coach that, but you've got to be, to keep a roster around good quarterbacks good enough to win a title. Aaron Rodgers only won one. Tom Brady and the Patriots won a bunch. Well, certainly Tom Brady had a lion's share of the reason for that. But Belichick was also able to do enough around Brady to win, whereas the people that coached in Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, and I, big Sean Payton, I'm a good friend, but they only won one. I mean, there, there's something to that. In the NFL, it's a lot more about the X's and O's and the strategy. In college, that's important, but it's more about the building of the program. Saban, by the way, with his analysts and staff, has got a huge advantage from a strategic and an X and O standpoint because of his football mind. He thinks and coaches like a pro coach. He thinks and coaches and prepares like a pro coach, but he's got the advantage of being in college with a lot of advantages that he maximizes. So it's, it's a lot more difficult. It's football all the time. In the NFL, in college, it's a lot about recruiting. It's about selling your program, and it's this and that. Um, the passion of college football is great. Loved it. But the realities are that, for me, pro football was more challenging and more enjoyable because it was all football all the time. We weren't recruiting guys. Oh, yeah, you bring in guys and you recruit them as a free agent. But there's only two things you're really doing, and one of them is money, and that's going to usually dictate where a guy goes. But if the money's relatively equal, the offers that the guy has, what you're trying to do is show them on tape how you fit into the system. And so a lot about the system and a lot of, you know, I mean, where a guy wants to live, you can't control that. You're in Green Bay, you're in Cleveland. They probably don't want to live there, but they don't have to live there full year. It's more about how do you fit and how do you work football-wise? Um, that is fun to me. I did not enjoy – I enjoyed the evaluation part of recruiting. That was my strength. I don't think I was a great recruiter. I don't think I was a great sales pitch guy. 
I don't think I was a, um, uh, it wasn't my favorite thing to go on, you know, the speaking tours of, you know, shake, you know, Johnny booster function guy. That's not, I'd much rather be doing the film work. Um, and I, and I much rather, quite frankly, uh, my, my work at LSU was, I was the guy that did the evaluating. See, unlike today where you got all these analysts, we didn't have anybody. I looked at the film. Sam Nader was the guy that organized the recruiting visit. So on recruiting weekends, she would be the one that would set up the hotels that they stayed in, what we were going to eat, where were we going to eat. And he was good about saying, okay, oh, uh, you know, Joe Blow's coming in for a visit. I think these these guys on our team would be good chaperones, you know, to pair with, and he would do all that. Um, you know, and I would, you know, meet with the players and talk with the players, but I would kind of talk to them about how they would fit football-wise and what their football abilities were potentially beyond college, but how would they fit schematically with us? That's That was my strength. I, I wasn't, I wasn't going to out recruit and out sell somebody to come. Um, the ones I had more successes that were really more football oriented. Uh, I prop, I, I was better at, you know, always was better at coaching the coaches and I was always better with like helping to put together a game plan and put together a scouting report for an upcoming opponent. I was better at evaluating a player, seeing how he would fit or wouldn't fit. Um, I wasn't the best at going out and convincing him that he should come here versus there. Just wasn't my thing. Just like in the NFL, I was not very good. I did a lot of contracts in the NFL. I didn't like it, and I didn't think I was very good at it. Some people told me, oh, you really – I did not like it. I mean, I take a baseball bat to the head before I do another. I just don't like it. I don't like dealing with agents and, you know, people that don't know the game very well. And, you know, I was just a little bit too abrupt. Um, I like, this is the guy I wanted. This is a good evaluation. This is what his worth is financially for what we're doing. Let's get it done. And that's it. Come in. This is what we're doing. Here's why. But what about that? But what about nothing? I just said it. And, you know, so I wasn't really that good at it. I think you needed other people to do that because other people would be willing that were more in the negotiating realm would be willing to go back and forth and eventually get back to the very end that I wanted in the beginning. Well, I just didn't have time to deal with it because I wanted to wrap that up so I can go back to do what I thought I was better at. That's just me. And that's kind of what I do now. Right now, I don't worry about, um, you know, in the coaching searches is who's the best fit. Who's the best football fit. I can't sit there and convince you that this is who you're going to like personality wise. I can't convince this, that, you know, from a political standpoint, this is what you want. I'm going to tell you what's the best. Um, look, I heard this long time ago. I recommended Nick Saban to LSU and just, and I don't really care, but just excoriated because it was well known what I was doing behind the scenes. Um, and you know, ultimately having to convince Nick to come and getting help to do so. Are you kidding me? This guy's not from the South. Doesn't have any background here. How is he going to recruit in the South? 
Nick Saban from West Virginia, Big Ten guy, doesn't talk like us. You know, that stuff doesn't matter at the end of the day. It's about good coaching. Now, certainly if all things are equal and you got somebody that's a background of there, it's a fit. He may be more interested in being at a certain place than another. If a guy that's more interested in coaching in the Midwest or more interested in coaching out West or more interested in coaching in, in the South, that, that may be their preference and they, their longevity may be affected by it, but it doesn't affect their ability. To, if you can recruit one state, you can recruit another. It may have some effect initially on developing those contacts. But if you have an ability to develop contacts in Florida as a recruiter, you can do it in Texas and vice versa. It takes a little bit more time, but you can do it. So, um, you know, trying to involve coaching searches, I stick to the football part. I'm not going to recruit the guy for you. I'm going to tell you the candidate what I think. I'll tell you what I think. And it may not always be what you think, but I always try to listen to see what it is that you want. Look, I'm, an, I'm not a sales guy, but if you're on a car lot and somebody comes in and says, I want to pick up, I live on a farm, and you're trying to sell them a sports car, I'm not quite sure that that's the smartest thing to do. You're not giving them what they want. And so oftentimes I'll say, they'll say, this is what we want. Well, in that category, this is what we need. Now, again, let me tell you what I think is a better fit, and here's why, but it might be the different type of vehicle, you know. But if you want that, then this is what you got. So, um, Isn't Bud Adams one of the cheap owners? Isn't Bud Adams one of the cheap owners other than the Bengals owner? Bud Adams um, is no longer with us. He was one of the cheaper owners, yes. He passed away several years ago. Chris? Are you, you are a straight shooter and not a lot of BS. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I am too much of a straight shooter at times. All right. Look, I have, uh, want to get into some thoughts this weekend, the games and, uh, the game that's probably most intriguing for me in terms of just the matchup that I'm curious to see, um, what is, schematically the matchup is the big 12 game. It does not affect the national playoffs. Uh, neither Iowa state or Oklahoma or have a chance, um, even with a decisive win to get in. None of that's possible. Uh, even with chaos, uh, not, uh, not going to happen. No real scenario I can give, but I see an Oklahoma team that looks on film better than they have been. Um, defensively, a good, a bad, a, a, an improved unit, and and a, quite frankly, a team that offensively plays a little bit more balanced. And yeah, they've lost two games, but they're they're probably better. Um, the fact that they play offensively a little bit more complementary help their defense. But that's an intriguing game. It's not the most important game because it doesn't factor into the playoffs. That would be Clemson-Notre Dame. I am hopeful that this game is close. I do not think it will be. I think the storyline, well, look, if it's a competitive game, 
and Clemson wins, both are going in. In what is competitive, I think how it looks and what the final score matters a great deal. I, I don't think it's a slam dunk that Notre Dame is in regardless, but pretty doggone close. I think the storyline in this game will be if Clemson plays like I think they will, I think they will beat Notre Dame, and I think it'll be decisively. And I think what that is going to do, the latter part of that telecast and the conversations Wow, several hours until we find out Sunday morning is going to be, wait a minute, after that loss by that margin, is Notre Dame really deserving to be in as the number four team? I think that that is going to be questioned because I think it'll be a decisive Clemson win. So when I say Iowa State, Oklahoma, I, I think that game has a chance to be close. I like Oklahoma. In. I don't think Clemson, Notre Dame is going to be close. I think it has the most intrigue in it because – if Notre Dame were to pull the upset, that knocks out Clemson. And then, then we got you. Who's number four? Is it AM? How do they do that? Alabama wins. Do they put Alabama and AM in a in a semifinal matchup? And we saw that matchup early in the year. I, that's interesting. But that's not as realistic. I don't think Notre Dame's going to beat Clemson. It's possible. Okay. It's a game. It could happen. Anything can happen. We know that. I get that. But I think it's more likely that Clemson blows out Notre Dame and then kind of puts doubt in people's minds, and then we got to decide. I still think, unless it's just completely obtuse, I mean, it's 50 to 3 or something, I, I think Notre Dame is in. But if it's a decisive, you know, 20-point win, some people are going to take it one way. I, I don't know what – the committee will do. I still think Notre Dame will likely be in at four again, particularly if they're competitive. So that is an intriguing game. Northwestern Ohio state. It's just, you know, how sloppy Ohio state is will determine or how sharp they are will determine the margin of victory there. Um, I think put Ohio state in at three. Um, obviously Alabama, Florida. It, it, look, I, it, it, the only way, that that this is to me a threat to Alabama is if Alabama plays and prepares like Florida did against LSU. As I just said, that doesn't happen. That happened to Florida because Florida is not Alabama. Dan Mullen is not Nick Saban. It's, you know, that's something Dan's got to work on, as I've mentioned on previous shows, is he's got to figure out how to have a little bit more discipline and focus consistently. And I think Florida is good. I think at their best, they're they're They can potentially be really good and, and great at times on offense, but they're not certainly not good enough to play an off game and win even against lesser opponents. They're going to likely play well. If they play well from the start of this game, they'll likely have a much better chance, of course. But Alabama is just too good and just too focused, and I don't see this being much of a matchup. So in terms of the playoffs, how do I see it? 
I think Alabama wins. I think Clemson wins, and that's your one and two. I think Ohio State will be three, and I think that Notre Dame will be four to set up a Clemson-Ohio State semifinal and an Alabama-Notre Dame semifinal. Don't see any other scenarios. Don't see a real threat of Florida winning. And again, yeah, but Chris, no one saw Florida losing the LSU. There's the difference. Florida's not Alabama. Florida wasn't focused. Alabama is. They always are. That's the big difference. The reason why Florida doesn't have the shot against Alabama like LSU had the shot against Florida, it's because Florida is not the same. They're not as dominant. They're not as focused. If you go back and listen to what I said prior to the LSU-Florida game, I said, because I was asked on the SEC show with Neil, what's the path for for LSU to beat Florida? Well, the path is Florida continues to start slow and play poorly and don't play good offensively. Well, that's what happened. I didn't think that was going to happen. I thought they would still come back and win the game. But Florida starting slow is what they've done pretty much every game. If that happens this week, this will be a blowout. If they play their best game from the first snap on, it can be more competitive longer. Get Alabama in a shootout. Then you've got a shot of, hey, look, wear down Alabama's defense, get their defense on the field quicker and more often. Then you got a shot in a shootout. Alabama then will play a little bit more shutdown, run the football, and kind of keep the Florida offense off the field. But it could determine the margin of victory or the likelihood of a potential chance of Florida having a shot in the second half. Those are things that Florida could not do last week. They don't run the football well enough. They don't play good enough defense. They don't play as focused. They don't play with as much discipline. Those are the things, and I'm not being critical, good Florida year, but that's that's where Florida has to go from being really good to being great. So I don't see it. Cincinnati, Tulsa, I like Cincinnati. Tulsa will play them well, I think. Coastal Carolina beat ULL again. Um, or will that be a change? Let's watch AM and what they're able to do against Tennessee, how they're able to play it, how they're able to look. Can they make a statement? I don't think it's going to matter because I th- here's where it would be interesting. I'll give you a scenario. What if AM blows out Tennessee and what if Clemson blows out Notre Dame? I'll let, let people kind of take it from there. There will be some argument of, hey, wait a minute, AM blew out Tennessee. Boom, I'm talking, you know, 50 to three. And then Clemson does the same thing to Notre Dame. Then then that's a that would be interesting in terms of a discussion. I know what I would do and who I would pick, but that would create some fervor. I don't think either one is going to happen. I think it's competitive enough to where Notre Dame's in. And I do think Notre Dame's a better team than AM. But the results this week often could determine who that fourth team is. We'll see how that plays out. So we'll see what AM can do against Tennessee. Um, look, there's some other games. Um, I'm not going to go over many of them. A lot of them have been canceled. Boise, San Jose State is uh, intriguing to me in the Mountain West. I'm curious to see um, how that plays out. So uh, one of the things that we'll be doing, of course, at LandryFootball.com as we put the wrap of this week. We'll have complete film room breakdowns of all the ball games. Um, not just, you know, we'll gradually work into the, to the, uh, the playoff games. 
quote unquote, but the, the bowl games that we'll play off. Look, we should know Sunday night who's in the bowl games and therefore what are the bowl games that are still in play. Um, it's not a definite though, because there's a possibility we could set a bowl game matchup and yet still the bowl game be canceled down the road due to COVID, what have you, but we'll have a good feel for it. Did get into the NFL as I wanted to, but Kansas city, New Orleans is intriguing to me. Don't know that new Orleans in its current state is going to be able to beat Kansas city and therefore holding on uh, the number one seed is pretty much green Bay's. We're going to get into that a little bit more and obviously going to have a little bit more focus on this show and on scouts. eye on the NFL, um, we'll still talk college every week, of course, but more on the NFL as the stretch run has taken place. But uh, check out uh, LandryFootball.com for all the breakdowns of the weekend's uh, NFL games as well. A uh, couple of questions. Um, Spartan Martin is there. No chance of Big 12 jams such Texas A&M. If Texas A&M puts out another lackluck performance. Uh, good question. I would say there's no ch- – I wouldn't say there's not no chance. That's – a good point in another scenario I didn't get there's there's that scenario and a few others that I didn't get into that would cause some look. Let's just say if that's Iowa State at six and they dominate Oklahoma and Texas AM struggles. And you know, Clemson loses or Ohio State loses. Look, in order for any discussion to take place it's going to require Ohio State to lose to Northwestern. That is very unlikely. Ohio State's in with a win. Doesn't matter. It doesn't even need to be pretty. They're in. Um, Clemson is in with a win. And I think Notre Dame is in with a loss. It would have to be a blowout loss by Notre Dame or a Notre Dame win or a Northwestern win. And if you look at those things, None of those things have a high probability. But if they do, yes, this would be in play. I don't know where they would go. I, it, to me, it's not just as simple as a blowout. It needs to look like a blowout, feel like – I mean, I need to see it. I'm so much into the film and how it looks that I can't tell you how something looks when it hasn't been played yet. I can project and tell you what I think. Again – this is not playoffs. We select teams in college football, and I know people get frustrated. Well, you say that Ohio State's better, but they haven't played enough games. I can't evaluate a game that hadn't been played. I can tell you what I see, only what I see. It doesn't mean that they would win or they're most deserving or anything. It's just who's the best. That's what I see to this point. It doesn't guarantee the result. Also add in a dominant performance. Uh, let's see here. Also add in a dominant performance by Bama. Well, the Bama dominant performance doesn't really matter. I mean, it, it. look, I expect Bama to be a dominant performance, but Bama's in either way and Florida's out either way. Um, I think a, I think where Spartan Martin is going is a dominant win by Bama over Florida lessens the win by AM over Florida, and just as the loss by Florida over LSU hurts AM. I mean, yeah. Does it weaken AM's resume and put a, a dump? Yeah, all those things are great, great thinking. Uh, is the lack of discipline and characteristics of Dan Mullen's teams or it's something you see corrected next season? I think it's a lot of Dan Mullen's personality. Look, when you run on the field, 
when you kind of you get excited and get emotional, there's nothing wrong with that. But what happens is with that, you your team tends to 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 take that energy in that direction, meaning you um, you tend to play that way. If you tend to go over the line as a coach a little bit, and, and I don't think it's like – I don't think anything that Dan has done over – I think going on the field, and it, it's not the only coach that's ever done that. But because he does that and because his gyration to the fans and the game, and uh, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But when you do that, then your teams tends to be really emotional and when your team's really emotional, that's a good thing. But then it takes your team down a path that, oh, don't cross that line. So when you got a player that gets really excited, you get a stop. And I know they got a third down stop at LSU. And they're getting ready to win that game. They're getting ready to get the ball back with Kyle Trask with a chance to win it in regulation or at the very least go into overtime, in which I think big advantage to Florida. Kid lost his head through his shoe. The fact that you get so excited to where you make that type of a decision, you cross that line, it's because there is a line. There is no line that you cross in an ultra-discipline program. I think it's a reflective of Dan's personality. I also think his response to it, he's not really criticized the kid. Now, I don't care if he criticized the kid in the media, but he had better address this behind the scenes. And he had better put this down and say, look, I need your enthusiasm, but we can't have this. And here's why. And you see what it did. I don't think you need to beat the kid over the head with it because I think that kid's suffering and he realizes that that was something that cost. But you know what? The bigger thing is the overall focus. I'm more concerned about, yeah, don't step over that line. University of Miami under Jimmy Johnson stepped over the line didn't matter. They dominated teams, but they played focused and they wanted to have a killer instinct. And in close games, they stepped over the line, played with too much emotion, and they got beat by a Penn State team that they were vastly superior to because they didn't play with a lot of discipline and emotion in that game in the Fiesta Bowl in 1987. But, you know, I think with Dan, it's about getting your team focused to play every week like it is a season in and of itself. And he didn't do that against LSU. And the team didn't play with a type of emotion all game. That was the bigger concern I had. But, yeah, stepping over the line is a problem. Notre Dame winning the national championship wouldn't surprise me. They played as a single unit. Notre Dame winning the national championship would shock me. Notre Dame is not to that level. They don't have the explosive playmaking ability. Um, Notre Dame, I think, will be the fourth seed. I think they're the fourth best team on tape. And, you know, they don't have explosive playmakers. They play as a team. Um, they are Notre Dame beat, winning in the national championship, having to beat Alabama would be one of the biggest upsets in quite some time. That is a, that's going to be a double digit favorite. Um, so I, that's not even close there. Um, and I think we'll see this week against Clemson, this will be a little bit of a litmus test because this is a Clemson that's healthier, got more people back on defense. Let's remind folks, they've pl- Notre Dame has played well. They have played well together. They are well coached. Uh, but they're the one team that doesn't look like the other. 
They don't look like Ohio State. They don't look like Clemson. They don't look like Alabama personnel-wise. They're at a different level. Those three programs, and Notre Dame's at a different lower level. They've got good talent. They don't have explosive playmaking-type talent that those other teams have. It doesn't mean they can't win, but it would be a big upset. And again, they beat Clemson. But it, it did have an effect, and give Notre Dame credit, but it did have an effect that Trevor Lawrence wasn't there. It probably had more of an effect that some of those key defensive guys for Clemson wasn't there either. Notre Dame winning this week would be a statement. They would be the number two seed, be deserving of it, and certainly beating this Clemson team would be a different perspective than what I'm telling you now. It is something that Notre Dame would do that I don't see them doing. I think it would be a huge upset if Notre Dame beats Clemson Saturday, and I think it would be an even bigger upset if they beat Notre Dame. So I I don't I, – Notre Dame is maximizing things by getting into the playoffs. I don't think they're a national championship caliber team, but we shall see. Hey, appreciate you joining it, pr- joining us. Appreciate everybody that joins in, asks questions, be part of this show, the Landry Football Podcast, part of the Radio Influence family. Check us out. Uh, certainly, if you're listening to this for the first time, join us over at LandryFootball.com. Find this Landry Football Podcast. Sign up wherever you sign up for your podcast. Go to LandryFootball.com. You can catch it there as well. You can get the in-depth film room analysis um, of the game of football, players, teams, coaches, schemes at the college NFL level, recruiting to the draft to free agency. We've got it all for you. So enjoy the games this weekend, and we'll be back to talk about it. Hey, yes, I will be back next weekend. A quick note about Christmas Eve. I'm not quite sure what I'm going to – I will have a Landry football podcast next week. Um, I don't know, and you can feel free to hit me up. I, I'm probably going to do the podcast earlier and we probably won't be doing it live here next week because I want to have the folks at at Radio Influence who edit it and everything. I'd like to do it, maybe get it to them a little bit earlier, like Wednesday, so they can have Christmas Eve off. And you probably um, will be doing other things Christmas Eve anyway. Um, so we may not do the show live on Twitch TV, but we will absolutely have a Landry Football Podcast for Christmas Eve. And we've got a great um, – uh, 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 news for you with the great folks at Football TV. So you're going to want to check out that podcast next week. Uh, brought to you by Football TV is what a great holiday gift that is uh, that uh, you can give to yourself or to your family members. So we appreciate you joining us. Take care, everybody, and talk to you again next time um, for the Chris Landry podcast. Excuse me, the Landry Football Podcast, part of LandryFootball.com.